Christy Nelson is a television news anchor with an NBC affiliate in Dallas, Texas. She recently donated a kidney to her mother. In a popular multi-part series called Christy's Gift, her news program examined kidney disease, organ donation, and transplantation from the caring and emotional perspective of a mother and daughter. In this episode of the ASN Kidney News Podcast, ASN Executive Director Todd Ibrahim speaks with Christy Nelson about the emotional and physical aspects of the donation process, how the process can improve, and the need to increase public awareness of the causal relationship between obesity and kidney disease. So what surprised you most about the transplant process? I learned a lot in in getting ready for it, and I think I was most surprised by how impersonal it all is. As a donor, uh, and as a person who was a potential donor at first, and I sent in my application, and I expected people to call me and explain it all to me and tell me everything I need to know, give me names of people to call, the names of other donors, and that never happened. And it was only because I, I know that I, I know who to call, and I knew some people who had done this before, uh, or discovered people who had done it before. But I felt like it was very impersonal up until the week of the transplant. You know, I've, I finally meet the the surgeon the day before or two days before, and you you have to wait to ask all those questions then. And for me, because I, I put serious thought into this, I felt that there was really no where to turn. And I think a lot of the emotions that I had about it could have been abated or it would have been a lot easier to make a decision faster if there's a little bit more support built into the transplant process, meaning when someone signs up or if someone, if a recipient says, I have a potential living donor, you know, there should be some effort to contact that person. Um, I understand that there's a fear of donors being coerced or being made to feel that they have no choice, but I felt like it was too impersonal. In terms of abating the fears, is that something that the health professionals like the surgeon or um, the nephrologist or, or nephrology nurses, or is that something that other patients or a combination of the two? I'm just curious as to how that best would work. I think first uh, it would help to get to know the surgeon early on. You know, For example, I think I signed up in June, and my surgery was in August, but in that time I didn't even know who my surgeon was for weeks. And nobody could tell me. You know, it was sort of a, it might be this person, it might be this person. And, uh, you know, that's fine, I guess, for a lot of people. But I needed more information. And I felt that was too impersonal. Once I was in the program and and I'd gone through all the screening and everything was okay, I did have an advocate or or rather the nurse, uh, the transplant coordinator, the nurse, to ask questions. But there was nothing really before that. So before I had all the screening. I needed some people to talk to, and I didn't have that. No one offered it to me. No one told me how to get it, and uh, and that's what I mean by that. So, yes, I do think the doctors and nurses should be involved uh, early on just to make themselves available and to offer suggestions. You've mentioned the range of emotions, and, you know, clearly one of the issues is is perhaps the lack of communication and just having the ability to to have a better sense of of each step of the process and really what was going to happen. I guess beyond that, you've even said, you know, you felt honored, you felt scared, and sometimes you were angry about the process. Could you just talk about each of those? I mean, you've mentioned sort of the frustrations. I'm just wondering about the other elements of of what it means to, to donate your kidney. You know, I love my mother very much, but um, when I first realized that 
the transplant was imminent. And of course, I I'd known shortly before that, a few months, maybe a year before that, that she actually had kidney disease. So I knew what it was going to come to. And I had already decided in a way that I'm going to have to do something. But when when she first told me this, that she was going to have to go on dialysis, and this was before she went on dialysis, and she would need a transplant, I think my immediate immediate response was anger. And uh, a lot of people don't understand that. But here's the thing. My mother has been overweight my entire life. Uh, You know, my entire life, I saw her coming home from work and going straight to bed and reading a book. I never saw her take a walk around the block. Uh, I never saw her do anything involving exercise, and she never showed any interest in those things. And I knew that she had diabetes and high blood pressure. She took the medications for it, but I never saw her do anything that altered her diet. Her doctors would tell her she needed to lose weight. I never saw her make any real effort toward doing that. So when we get to the point now that she needs a transplant, and yes, I guess she made it many, many years without having to get to this, but at this point, I'm thinking, this is not fair. You know, I've taken care of myself. I've done everything I'm supposed to do, and you've not done anything you're supposed to do, and now here I am. I'm going to have to uh, contemplate having major surgery because you didn't do what you were supposed to do. So that was my immediate thought. I think I really had to deal with that. It was very emotional for me, and I was also, in a way, very sad for her, and it kind of manifested itself into this anger because I was angry she was putting all of us into this situation, and I felt like she she was putting me in the situation. So that's how I felt, and I've since learned that lots of people feel that way, so I don't feel so guilty. But, you know, so I had that emotion, and then I felt guilty for having that emotion. I really did. And there's some people you talk to who say, oh, but it's your mother. How can you feel that way? And they just didn't understand what I was saying. You know, that did pass after just a week or two, and I was ready. And I I did think about the um, preemptive transplant. And I thought about it. I wanted to do it. We I went with her to appointments. We did all these things. It took so long. You know, the her appointments seemed to be so far in between, and she would need this test, and that would be two weeks away, and then she'd need another test. And honestly, time started passing. Then I was just, it was just inconvenient. You know, I, I just wanted it to, I, things were happening. I had issues with work. I had uh, issues in my life. And I just felt like it was inconvenient. And I just didn't want to do it at that time. So I put it off. And so those were some of the main things that happened. And, you know, I, I, I was angry. I put it off. And then I came back to it. So how do we reconcile individual responsibility and the genetic realities of the world. I mean, what? How do we balance that? And and do you mean um, as far as families? Well, you mentioned we can sort of look at our families and understand, you know, genetically what our health is going to look like. And some people are predisposed to hypertension or diabetes or, or obesity, which are obviously the risk factors for kidney disease. And I'm just wondering. There are things we can obviously do in terms of our diet and exercise, but but then there are also people who take responsibility and still have kidney disease or or need transplants. I'm just wondering, as a society, sort of observations you would have. Well, first of all, my mother also had a brother who died of kidney disease, her older brother, and, and that man's grandson has had two transplants. But even with that, there has been no discussion of this in my family even with those things, there is never, I have never sat at a table and heard anyone talk about any of this. 
And I don't think people really understand, you know, just what the uh, the likelihood of it happening in your family. And they don't understand the risk factors. They don't connect the dots. Uh, and just from my very small research in doing these stories, uh, very small and unscientific, it just seemed as though people didn't make the connection. They had heard of kidney disease, but they didn't really know what it was. They kind of think of it as cancer in the sense that it might just appear and there's nothing you can do about it. But I don't think they realize there's a connection and that there are things you can do. Uh, there's something missing. And uh, I think so much public education is needed on this issue. So how are your how have your colleagues reacted when you've come to them with story ideas about kidney disease or just trying to sort of raise their awareness? What's been their reaction? Uh, the reaction has been fantastic. Uh, first of all, I had everyone's support in doing these stories, uh, and they were afraid for me because a lot of them didn't really understand it either. This is the first time they've met someone who has been a living donor. A few of us have done stories about different things, but I could say most of the people here probably didn't know anyone who's ever been in this situation. So they were excited, they were very interested, and they were very eager to help me do the stories, and also they wanted me to to be okay. So they were behind me 100%. You know, I had another reporter who uh, was sort of um, the person who did my stories, and she came into the OR with me, and uh, and we had a dedicated photographer, and the station uh, formed some alliances with uh, some local groups like the National Kidney Foundation, and I think the Southwest Transplant uh, Alliance, they have some TSAs, I think they are planning some things in the future uh, as far as uh, helping people uh, be, uh, get kidney screenings, kidney cancer screenings and uh, also as far as signing people up to be uh, organ donors. Um, you're just getting, their, getting on the donor registry. So I think those are all things that they have really gotten behind me to do. Uh, and they've really pushed me to try to tell my story as, as best I can because I, I wasn't sure I wanted to at first. I thought it was private and I wasn't sure. But then I decided that so much good could come out of it if I just shared the story. Now, now the, the transplant occurred at, at Baylor, and, and somehow you had know, mentioned that you were allowed to have a reporter and a photographer there. And I'm just wondering how you pulled off the miracle of having a reporter <laughs> tweet during the surgery, and that's pretty remarkable. You know what? I actually don't think it was that hard. I told Baylor I was considering this um, about a year ago, and then, of course, you know, things, life happened, and I, <clears throat> I put it off a little bit, but then I called them as soon as I had gone through all the screening. And I was approved. I told them, hey, this is going to happen. I need your help. The answer I got back was anything we could do. So um, a lot of the negotiation as far as getting the photographer into the room and that type of thing, I was not involved in that. But my station was very kind to not let me have to worry about that. Uh, they dealt with that. Uh, a photographer from the hospital shot the entire thing and gave the video to us uh, and actually to me. So I actually own that video. I don't, I can't, I don't have to worry about it popping up somewhere. <laughs> or NBC owns it, but I have the only copy. And, um, you know, they allowed us to do what we felt was best to try to get the story out there and to get 
people interested, and it really worked. I think uh, my managers were surprised after the first couple of days, and the interest was huge, and so they were scrambling to come up with more stories and to follow up and to get pictures of me, uh, you know, in the wheelchair on my way home or, <laughs> or whatever. So people were very interested, and on Facebook, uh, I started a new Facebook page just to tell people how I was doing, and you know, people were truly interested. I was I was surprised. They were really interested, and and they really were passionate about sending their their good wishes. So, why do you think people were so interested? What what element of the story do you think appealed to them? I think it was the sense of this is something that could happen to any of us, and I, I really believe that that was a lot of it. I had a lot of messages from people who either had family members who had kidney disease or died of kidney disease. I I heard from a lot of donors who said, thank you for showing people that this can be done. I heard from African-Americans and African-American donors who said, thank you so much for bringing this to the public's attention because a lot of African-Americans don't want to do this. And I think it's great that you're stepping forward and showing that you can do this and this is why. And there was that entire element also of the mother, daughter, and uh, the daughter helping the mother, people really connected to that uh, and just our love for each other. Uh, but I think there was something about it that was just, hey, this is happening. This can happen to anyone. And uh, I do think people learned a lot about kidney disease from watching the series. Um, and I think people learned how diabetes is connected as well. And I did hear people say that. They had no idea that there was a connection. So those were among the comments I got. So when did you first learn of that connection between particularly diabetes and kidney disease, but also with hypertension and obesity? I'm probably, I'm a little embarrassed to say that, even though I've done stories about all kinds of illnesses, I can tell you that I really don't think I made that connection between kidney disease and obesity. I could, sure, I may not have made that connection until recent years. When my mother told me she had kidney disease, I, of course, went and looked up as much as I could about it, and I learned those things, but I didn't realize how prevalent kidney disease is. Again, I learned about that connection between obesity and kidney disease and and the need for a transplant. I mean, who, who folks don't really know that obesity might mean you'll have a kidney transplant, you'll need a kidney transplant. And I think if they did, they, if they realize all you have to do is lose some weight, change your diet, and I can avoid that, perhaps more people would make more of an effort. You mentioned your your family history and the fact that kidney disease wasn't discussed in the family and then thinking of other disease states like cancer or cardiovascular disease where it seems like families will have that discussion. Do you think it's something unique to your family that, that you didn't discuss kidney disease or is there a broader societal issue that for whatever reason this disease doesn't get discussed among families, um, you know, in, in the community in general? It's a bigger issue. I don't think it's a taboo issue. I just think that people don't really get it. Uh, and I think part of the problem there seems to lie with doctors, um, perhaps with primary care physicians not really explaining this to people. I think we've all had a doctor at some point, one of those who comes in, stands up for 10 minutes the entire time you're there, takes some blood, and leaves, uh, you know, and that's that's the extent of your relationship with them. But I think we really have to talk about this more, and I think that first, doctors have to really explain to people, you know, I'm telling you to lose weight, but this is why. This, these are the things that can happen to you. It's not just you need to be skinny. It's that 
it could lead to this, this, and that. And I think when people get to the point where they uh, are diagnosed with kidney disease, they need to be encouraged to discuss it with their families. It's not a negative. And I, and I do think culturally perhaps some groups are more secretive about uh, with their family members about their medical issues. You know, I don't know, but I know that in my family, my mother never talked to us about her illnesses other than those things she thought we really had to know. So, you know, she had diabetes for 20 years. I didn't know that. You know, I'm 40 now, so for most of my adult life, she has had diabetes, and I did not know that for most of that time. She didn't discuss how it affected her life or, you know, what could happen. So the bottom line is we have to talk more about it. We need to figure out a way to launch a public education campaign. If we could do it with breast cancer and if we can do it with things like smoking even, um, anti-smoking, PSAs are everywhere, and, and they actually work. So why can't we do it with something like kidney disease? It's just a matter of getting people to understand the effect it could possibly have on their lives. And, uh, and people don't know that their decisions, the decisions they make when they're putting food in their mouths, could affect their families as well because you might put your family in a situation where they have to decide whether or not to give you an organ. So it sounds like there's perhaps two public awareness campaigns that need to occur. One would be with health professionals, particularly primary care physicians, where they're more conscious of kidney disease but also the the risk factors. Mm-hmm. And then the second one is with the public in general, you know, akin to the breast cancer campaigns where um, there's just more awareness of, of the disease, the prevalence of the disease, the risk factors, what individuals should take, you know, how they should address it. Which of those two, if you had to prioritize them, how would you prioritize the two? Doctors have to help their patients develop a better understanding of kidney disease and its causes and its consequences. But I do believe a public a public campaign for everyone else is very important. People just don't know what kidney disease is. They really don't. They don't know what it is. While we're talking about obesity, because everybody's talking about it right now, the obesity epidemic, this is a, a prime time to explore, to explain what that really means and, you know, the bottom line and just the bottom line. I do think people now know that obesity leads to diabetes and maybe they know it leads to high blood pressure, but they just think that means I'm, I'm going to have to start taking pills. That's really what people think. Oh, I'm going to have to start taking pills and that's it. <laughs> and they don't think beyond that at all. And I can tell you that because everyone in my family has high blood pressure and uh, I think and one of my sisters, uh, I think, has high blood pressure and diabetes. So I can tell you that for a fact, that they all just, it's just a matter of, oh, I've got to take pills, and that's all. There's no, there's no thought beyond that. And I guess that's one of the issues with kidney disease is while there are some medications, really what most people think about is dialysis. And I guess we've talked a little bit about transplant. If we move earlier in the process, what was your reaction to your mother's dialysis? It was very sad for me. It was sad to, I was sad for her that she had to do that. However, at the time that she started it, her health was so bad she could barely walk. Uh, and I don't know specifically what the problem was that, you know, she had anemia, she was very weak. So in the short term, the dialysis really changed her life. Um, she, 
had more energy. She looked better. She was back up walking around. But, you know, we know, I know now that uh, dialysis can ruin a person's life. It can bring it to a halt. Um, and I also know that it's not a cure. I don't think I thought of it that way before my mom was on it. Uh, I think a lot of people think that it is a cure. So when she started, immediately she looked great. It was better. But then she's going to dialysis three times a week. She had frequent infections and the stents were clogged and uh, the fistula it had to be redone. It seems like once a month. Um, and so she just had so many problems. My fear became that she was going to die of an infection before she could even get a transplant if we waited uh, for her to get a cadaver kidney. Um, so my fear was just for her, for her and how uncomfortable it was. And there was a period, I think in March, where I, she was in the hospital maybe four times, and each time she had some type of surgery. Uh, and it was all because of dialysis. So I was very sad for her, and uh, it became very painful for me to watch. And I really wanted to get everything underway. And, you know, it was last spring where I thought, I can't put this off any longer. I have to do it. I'm ready. Uh, and it was because of watching her and watch of seeing what was happening to her on dialysis. She's had the transplant. How is she doing now? She's doing well. I spoke to her this morning, and... Uh, you know, her numbers are, are well. She has to go back to the hospital three days a week. They are still tweaking her medications, but the only complaint she has right now is that she does have some back pain, some muscular uh, back pain. Uh, but that's it, you know. So, And she's still very tired, as I am. Uh, I'm surprised by that. I still have a, a problem with fatigue. You know, at the end of the day, I, I just am wiped out, and I didn't expect that. Uh, because I was in very good health before the transplant, uh, and I thought I would bounce back very quickly, but I'm hearing that, um, you know, it could take months, uh, which is fine. That, that was something that nobody explained to me <laughs> before. So, so we're sort of back to where we started in the sense that, that one of the, the key recommendations that you would have would be to provide as much information as possible throughout the process to people who are donating organs. From the very beginning. Mm -hmm. yeah. From the very beginning, you know, just... Uh, resources, who they should call, where they should go. And I, I really don't think these, excuse me, transplant coordinators are equipped to do that. I'm sure most of them are very nice people, but obviously they can't sit on the phone with me every day and listen to my questions. And, um, and I just think there should be more, I got packets of information, that type of thing, but that's not, that's not the same thing. It really isn't. It doesn't give you the kind of information you need. You know, there was a point where I just needed to make a decision. I just needed to know something. I, need, I needed to talk to a doctor to tell me that if I did this, my mother would live X number of years more. You know, And I realized that they can't answer that, but I just needed to talk to someone about the stats and the, you know, based on her profile, what would the outcomes be? I never had that. And I finally just had to go through channels that I, of people I knew to, to talk to someone. But, um, and you know, I, and actually one story I did, I would like to get in here. I, I did find a doctor, uh, a friend of a friend who I got on the phone with her. She called me really late one night. And, and the first thing she said to me was, you shouldn't do it. Don't do it. And I said, what? What do you mean? Don't do it. You have doubt. Don't do it. <laughs> Which to me was a little insane because basically she's saying anyone who has any doubts or questions should never do it. And that's 
insane. Everyone's going to have questions and concerns. And, I, and this woman said that the entire conversation. And it actually, the next morning I woke up and I thought, what is going on? I'm doing it. And I went and, and got everything in order. But, you know, the fact that the only thing she could say to me was, you have doubt, don't do it. And apparently they say this to people all the time. <laughs> and, of course, you're going to have doubts. It doesn't mean you don't do it. It just means you have questions. And someone should be willing to answer those questions and help you make an informed opinion. And if you step out, that's fine. Uh, and I understand that they are afraid people will feel coerced and they don't want people to get to the day before and, and change their minds. But at the same time, conversations like that are so frustrating. They don't really help. And, um, and I also, it seems as though every time I spoke to someone, I just kept hearing the death risk, which I, I get that. You know, they kept saying, you know, you could die. <laughs> and, and I get it. I understand that. But tell me something else. <laughs> well, in, in my senses, people... There's probably not a likelihood that people aren't going to pursue pregnancies because of the potential death risk. Exactly. And, and you know, I know that there's a risk of death. I get that. And I understand that they want you to be clear. And they, But basically, along the, along the entire process, people were trying to talk me out of it. Anyone I actually got on the phone, uh, this was towards the end especially, people kept trying to talk me out of it. And I, and I said, I told one doctor, stop saying that. I have made my decision. I understand that there may be people who are afraid. I'm not one of those people. Look, I'm here. I'm excited. You know. <laughs> So, so, I guess it's not surprising that there are so few kidney donors. I mean, I think our statistics are that there are, I guess, fewer than 500 people donated kidneys in Texas, even though there's, you know, 18,000 people on a waiting list for a transplant. So, you know, there's this clear informational issue. It sounds like there's this um, fear of, of coercing potential yeah. donors. Uh -huh. are, are there other sort of concrete things that the community needs to address to increase the level of donation? You know, um, one of the things that you, in the note that you sent me, you asked me about African Americans. Um, and I would like to say that as far as African Americans are concerned, I do think uh, part of the public education campaign should, could include churches. You know, there are many communities across the country uh, with very strong um, African American communities with very strong ties to the church. And, you know, churches should be involved in education campaigns. I know a woman here who's a kidney transplant recipient who's gotten very involved in her and the education campaigns at her church, and she's helped develop support groups for families there. And so this is a very large church. It's a mega church. But those types of things could be implemented elsewhere to help people just learn more about it. You know, even pastors can learn to counsel people who are thinking about being donors. Uh, that's what I didn't have. I didn't have anyone to counsel me. And it sounds like using donors like yourself and, and recipients like your mom as potential spokespeople working through local churches and local communities could be really effective. I, I really think it, it can be. You know, we've... Uh, We've had a few stories done in local uh, papers and online uh, publications here locally, and we've gotten a lot of response. And, you know, one paper called me, and it's a paper that normally prints religious news and things like that. They called me and said they'd gotten calls from people saying, thank you for putting this kind of information in the paper. 
And my mom, I think, is very eager to go share her experience. And she's not a person who I would ever have thought would do something like that. But she believes strongly in it as well. And she says that she did not really know how long she had kidney disease. And, you know, even though she went to doctors every month for years because of her diabetes and high blood pressure, but she says she didn't really understand it or it was never made clear to her that those issues would lead to kidney disease or that kidney disease was in her, her near future. So I think she wants to help people learn as well because of her experience with that and just sort of being in the dark. Awesome. I really appreciate both your your advocacy on behalf of, of people with kidney disease, but also encouraging people to consider transplantation and donating for transplantation, as well as for taking the time to talk with us today. And I just wish you and your mother, you know, the best, and I hope that um, both of you continue to, to do well. Well, thank you. I think we will be just fine. This podcast is copyrighted by the American Society of Nephrology. All rights reserved. All content in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be medical advice. The information in this podcast should not be used during a medical emergency or for the diagnosis or treatment of any medical condition. Please consult your doctor or other qualified health care provider if you have any questions about any medical condition or before taking any drug, changing your diet, or commencing or discontinuing any course of treatment. Thank you for listening to this podcast of the American Society of Nephrology.